This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. All right, 2.14 here on the Blitz. What's going on? It's Tuesday afternoon. Uh, tomorrow, bright and early inside AT&T Stadium in Arlington, otherwise known as Jira World. The entire uh, Blitz crew, minus myself, will be down there tomorrow beginning at 6 a.m. all the way through 6 p.m. All of our coverage brought to you by Community Care of Oklahoma, your locally owned health plan. Uh, let's hit up the hotline and welcome in Brandon Marcello from 24-7 Sports, joining us here on the Blitz 1170. Brandon, what's going on, buddy? How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. Um, before we talk Big 12, I do have to get your thoughts and opinions on the whole Pat Fitzgerald thing. I know you've written about it a couple of times now. Um, it's 2023, and I'm still amazed at how an institution of higher learning like Northwestern can make the cataclysmic mistakes that they did through this entire process. Uh, they really have no one to blame but themselves to find the mess that they're in right now. Uh, it's it's crazy. And, and now you have a group of young men that have not only been through this, but now two months before the season starts, they're looking for a coach or looking for answers. And it doesn't really seem like the administration is giving them the full attention that they deserve and require right now. No, and, you know, their athletics director, Derek Gregg, was overseas until today. Um, they uh, they had a Zoom with the, with the team yesterday to inform them, hey, your coach is gone, he's fired, and then Derek Gregg didn't take any questions from players. He left the, the Zoom call. Um, yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous. And, you know, there's going to be so many questions that need to be answered about just the handling of this investigation, right or wrong, obviously, whether they got, got things right or wrong, that's, that's a whole other issue, but just their handling of it. Like, how do you change your decision in 72 hours when you seem so assured that we're just going to suspend them for two weeks? You're so assured that your athletics director went overseas on vacation. And then for that to change when um, seemingly the only thing that knew that came to light was that your report, which you were trying to keep secret and private, the details of it were reported on by your student newspaper because they got a hold of some of the people that you spoke to um, for your own investigation. Um, it's a bad look, obviously, for everybody involved, not just accounting for, obviously, the, the allegations of hazing yep. uh, inside the program, which is terrible. And then you got all this on top of it. You know, they always say that, uh, you know, it's not necessarily the act that gets you in trouble. It's the lying. Mm -hmm. And it's just this, you have to say that they were lying about this, but trying to hide it and hide behind, you know, we're a private school. We're not going to let the details come out. Well, if you know the details and they're damning enough and then those come out publicly and then you're like, Oh, Oh, now the public sees what we saw, but it's much worse than maybe we were led to believe. Um, you're reacting to the reaction and that's, that leaders are not supposed to be doing that in higher education. I will never understand why someone in their position does not look at the transparency aspect and just have that conversation with themselves and say, listen, if we jump on this now and we at least release what the findings were, yes, it's going to be difficult here in the early stages, but damn, it's not going to cost me my job. Like the, the president now has questions that are asked about him. 
you know, along with Derek Gregg in that entire scenario, president didn't have anything to do with the culture that was happening within the football department itself. But now because of the actions of trying to cover it up, trying to keep it under wraps as much as possible, like just take the hit. You're going to be okay in the long run if you just are open and honest and say, you know what? We had this situation here, it was brought to our attention, and now our responsibility is to fix it. And it never seems to go well. You can't hide that stuff in 2023, man. This isn't 1983 anymore. Yeah, you just can't. And things turn on a dime quickly, as we saw in these last 72 hours. And um, that's the other thing you just mentioned there. Derek Gregg has only been the AD there for two years. The president there, Michael Schill, has only been there 11 months. He was previously at Oregon. He had to work with a giant athletics department there previously for eight years and a big booster in Phil Knight. Um, He should know how to handle these types of situations. And um, I understand there's more that goes into it, especially when you're a private school and then you have all your other power brokers involved. But, man, at the very least, this looks like a situation, the, the cynic in me, it looks like a situation where you just sit back and go, they just didn't think this was as big of a deal as, as uh, seemingly seems to be now. Now all the details are public. I mean, everything seems fine as long as other people don't know about it. Yep. Um, the problem is, is that at some point, everybody's going to know about it. All right, let's uh, shift our attention to uh, what's happening in Dallas tomorrow. Sorry, Arlington. Arlington always gets a bad rap. They're the one that votes for every damn thing, and they never get their name mentioned mm. uh, at AT&T Stadium. Um, what are some of your storylines uh, that you're looking at coming out of Big 12 Media Day? Um, doesn't have to go in any particular order, but what are the ones that you think carry the most weight coming out of uh, this conference getting together tomorrow? Well, I don't know if it will get anything out of this, but like, what is the future of the Big 12? Are, are we any further with expansion talks at all with any programs? Is that cooled a little bit? Will Brett Yormark discuss that and, and be open about it while he's there in Arlington? And then, of course, you know, you know. Besides, I think everybody just wants: Is Texas going to win the Big Twelve this year? Is this year to do it? Um, and along with OU, would they be? You know, but the thing is, it's like if you're like a Big Twelve fan, which I don't know if there's actual fans of conferences, but if you're a Big Twelve member outside those two schools, I don't think I care about that. I think the national media, including myself, care about Texas and OU. But if you're a Big Twelve school, you don't care about that storyline. What you care about, to be quite honest, and what you should care about, is whether these four members that are coming in are going to be maybe more difficult than you believe they will be in year one when you have to face them. And, you know, we ran our own kind of survey amongst our Big 12 beat reporters and national reporters at 24-7 Sports this week, and none of the uh, four schools, the new four schools coming in, were picked in the top half of the conference. But we had one writer say that, you know, listen, any school that has to go to Provo this year and play BYU, they're in trouble. He believes they're going to be every opponent at home. They're going to go undefeated at home at BYU. Difficult place to play. And he thinks that there is, in some ways, there's going to be an awakening for some Big 12 schools that have to face some of these new schools. They're not going to be as easy, maybe, as a lot of us believe, including, you know, people like myself. So I'm interested to, to hear one from the coaches and the players there one, that what they're expecting from these new four new schools. And then also, how are these new four schools, Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, and BYU, how are they handling this going into this situation? Because they expect to win immediately, especially, I'll say, 
a school like UCF where mm-hmm. they're pretty talented going into this season. I can remember that a number of years ago when it was TCU's first year in the Big 12 and we were down there for coverage and Gary Patterson sat down with us and we were asking Gary about making that transition. And he said, you know, as much as we want to win and we feel like that we are going to be successful here, he he basically looked at us in the eye, Brandon, and was like, two years from now, maybe we can start having that conversation. But for, for now, it's about us ramping up what we're doing in terms of the type of athlete that we now feel like that we can get involved with uh, and now developing our depth as well at a power five conference level. Um, I do think that maybe things have obviously changed even since that short amount of time with that conversation with Gary, but I still think there is some truth to that. I'm with you. I think UCF is going to be the best one. If, unless BYU can grow offensive and defensive linemen on trees, I, yeah. I don't think that, that that's going to be their thing this year. Um, but I, I do think that there are some programs that are going to be more successful faster than what some of the others are that are coming in. Yeah, and now that, listen, it's, it's nothing similar in all these ways, but I, I remember, you know, when A&M and Mizzou joined the SEC, there were similar conversations like, well, they're in for a rude awakening. Well, then A&M found a guy named Johnny Manziel. They had immediate <laughs> success. Yep. Immediate success in the SEC. They didn't make the SEC championship game, but they're winning 10 games. And then, oh, by the way, Mizzou went to, what, two or three straight SEC championship games upon their arrival? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it can be done. And those were schools at the time when they came in. It was like, yeah, we'll see. And then all of a sudden they're contending as champions. But not to say it's going to happen in the Big 12, but just because someone's new and they came from a quote-unquote lower quality of play, and this is different because these are a group of five schools coming in, but we've seen UCF beat Power 5 teams in big-time situations. We've obviously since seen Cincinnati do that, and they're reaching a college football playoff. We've seen BYU do it, and we've seen Houston do it. These, this is going to be a fascinating year in the Big 12 because of those four and not necessarily because of what OU or Texas do or do not do this season. Brandon Marcello is our guest here on the Blitz 1170 from 24-7 Sports. I, I did want to get go back to your Brett Yormark uh, part. There's, there's a little portion of me that thinks that Yormark – might stand up on the table and start flexing on people a little bit because one year in and everything that's happened in that one year period of when he met with us last year as kind of an introduction at this same point, um, he's accomplished a lot, right? He came in, he, he bragged about a lot of things and he's gone out and done a lot of those things. So I just wonder what his, what his mood is going to be. Is he going to try to, to, continue to hammer home the virtues of the big 12 in terms of expansion to kind of jab at the pac 12 a little bit more. And, and I guess what's your overall opinion of what Brett has been able to do in year one? Yeah, I think if, you know, if I was him, but I'm not, I'll go up there and go, everything I've told you that I was going to do, what I've done so far. We are secure financially. We're secure with our television deal as other conferences are trying to figure out what their future is going to be. You don't even have to mention the Pac-12 from that standpoint. We're doing new initiatives. We're through the basketball camps and, and situations they're going to be doing in New York, um, playing games in Mexico. We're expanding our footprint. Um, and then also say we will continue to be aggressive and have our eyes open and looking to the horizon as far as potential expansion. Uh, you don't have to go any further than that. And he says, and then also say, listen, we're also working on other initiatives to continue to grow the Big 12. You know, they're refreshing the brand here in the next year or so. I don't think he has to go up there and promise new things. I think he could say, everything I told you in my first year that I would get done, I've done and more so, and we are continuing 
to, to look at new options here as we move forward. That's kind of why when I said earlier I came on the show here, like I, I'm not so sure that he'll have anything really new to add yeah. to this all this expansion talk. I think that the, the best approach right now is to, you know, you promised all these, you, you delivered them, you are strong. Now say flex and go and remind people and actually point at your muscles and go, look, I'm actually this strong and you guys saw it. And so we're going to be able to do some heavy lifting here in the future. Anything from you in terms of Texas and Oklahoma last year in the conference and kind of setting the stage for what they're getting ready to jump off in the middle of next year in the SEC? Is there a bar that you're looking for this year in terms of getting back to a certain point if you're Oklahoma and if Texas can actually, I don't know, live up to all of the hype that they have, at least on paper at this point? Yeah, I'll say this. Texas better win the Big 12. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I know it sounds crazy. If they don't win the Big 12 this year, they're going to get so much hell from SEC fans and even some Big 12 fans, I'm sure, across the country going into the SEC. Like, listen, you weren't able to win the Big 12 last year. You are not even going to be in the top two or three. That'll be the storyline going into the year. If they win the Big 12 this year, I think that eases the transition, at least publicly, from a public perception for them. OU, you just need to show some life in the trenches and get back to a point where you are consistent week to week and you're challenging once again to win 10 games in the Big 12. If they're anywhere near 500 again at OU, um, I mean, you got to start like, questioning things there about, I think Brett Venable is a fantastic head coach, but goodness gracious, you're kind of in an inflection point already in his tenure and you're going to the SEC, you got a lot of big questions to answer. Having said that, I think OU's going to win this year, and they're going to be turning things around, and the recruiting has been fantastic. They've been doing gangbusters in the transfer portal as well. Um, but I think there's more pressure on Texas. If they don't win it this year, they're going to get a lot of flack here in this offseason. And to be quite honest, they are the most talented team. We know that in the Big 12. They should win it. And if they fall short of the championship game this year, to me, it's a disappointment. It's a disappointing year. It's always been a culture problem with them to me. They've, they've had talent. It's just one thing yeah. or another. There, there's so many – the average person doesn't realize it seems like they have to answer to 20 or 25 different people that are there in Austin with the way yeah. the power structure is. But it's, it's, a, it's not a talent thing, Brandon. It's always been culture. And I, I don't – no one knows for sure whether Sark is going to be able to – be able to crash through that that ceiling that's been there for so long for them. Yeah, you're right. And um, if you can't do it this year, can you do it next year in a new conference that, you know, is next to the Big Ten, the best conference possibly in the entire country? Uh, listen, OU and Texas have got a lot of big questions to answer. But, you know, again, as I mentioned, you, we've seen schools make that jump at the SEC and they're successful right away. You know, it's interesting. A year ago today, if you're sitting there telling me, I, I would have told you that OU was more equipped to join the SEC in the next couple of years. I thought they were better in the trenches than Texas and all that. And Texas has completely rebounded in the trenches. I think you know, I covered their game against Arkansas. And Arkansas two years ago, Arkansas bullied them in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And I'm sitting there going, man, Texas has no hope in the SEC if they don't get this fixed immediately. And, man, to their credit, they did. Uh, OU seems to be regressing a little bit in that area. But you look at their recruiting, and it seems like they need help on the way, and I think they're going to turn things around this year. Um, I think both staffs 
in these last two years have done a great job building, rebuilding and building their rosters to prepare for the SEC. And having said that, they need to be – Texas needs to win the Big 12, and OU needs to be back in contention for it this season. Hey, final one before I let you go, because SEC media days are coming up. What are the storylines there that, that you think are of importance of, of a year before they expand? Um, you know, Georgia going back-to-back. Back. Uh, you've got all the hype around LSU. You've, you've got Saban at Bama. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things that are happening in the SEC right now, but what's, what's a main couple of points that you're looking forward to from SEC media day? Yeah, is, is Georgia about to do what we've never seen before? in the modern era, can they win back-to-back-to-back national championships? And I think they can. That roster is ridiculous. It just is. I mean, they just lost Jalen Carter, who I I call the black hole, because everything that came near him, like, was swallowed up. He he changed the way offenses had to play against him at defensive tackle. Well, they lost in the NFL. Then they also lost Bear to USC in the transfer portal. And instead of people like me sitting around going, man, what's Georgia going to do? We're looking at Georgia and going, yeah, they've still got the best defensive line in the SEC. I, it's insane that they can lose two guys like that, and then all of a sudden we're still saying they're the best. That just they're, they're insanely good, and they should be the favorite to win the national championship there year. And then also just logistics and business. I think a lot of people will be talking about whether they're going to do a, go to a nine-game conference schedule because mm-hmm. that will be up for debate here in another year or so. And then there'll be other things. There's always, always something pop up at these SEC media days that we weren't really quite expecting. Someone says something or, <laughs> or there's something that happens. You know, it, it, yep. seemingly always, it seemingly always happens at SEC media days for whatever reason, even if it doesn't involve the SEC. Uh, yes, and that's, that's not even running off some of the uh, classic characters that we always get as well there at the SEC, <laughs> even with some new coaches that are coming in as well because uh, – I'm sure everyone will be ready to pounce on on the new Auburn staff with anything that they say as well. So it's uh, it's almost time, Brandon. It's almost here upon us again. Man, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking a few moments to come on with us here in Tulsa. Always uh, enjoy your work, and we'll be sure to check in again with you soon. I appreciate you. Thanks. That is uh, Brandon Marcello joining us here on the Blitz 1170 live here in downtown Tulsa across the street from Guthrie Green. All of our Big 12 coverage, by the way, brought to you by Community Care of Oklahoma, your locally owned health plan, coming to you from Jerry World tomorrow, AT&T Stadium. All right, it's 2.33. When we come back on the opposite side, after the Blitz breakdown, what happened in D.C. today? Something that pains me to even say on a radio program. Ew. But it involves golf, and boy, did we learn a few things. That's coming up next here on the Blitz 1170. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.